0: Hey, welcome to night school, October night school. October 25th, night school. And I'm going to be talking today a little bit about composites. Composite characters, the idea of composites. And it's a term that most people are familiar with, usually in an image sense. you know, uh, photos are composites. That uh, warrant, that guy who everybody's looking for, the suspect in that robbery, this photo is a composite. Of some different witness descriptions. Because that's definitely going to help identify him. Having a bunch of witness descriptions all pushed into one. That's definitely going to be what the guy looks like. It it makes sense why people do that. Why warrants and uh, wanted posters, rather, uh, are made of composites. And then composite characters in movies, TV in particular, are very common. And sometimes that's a way to skirt around the fact that somebody is based on someone, that a character is based on someone. It's kind of an out. It's like, it's not based on that guy. It's, it's a composite. When the guy goes into the bodega to buy a, a bag of chips, uh, he buys a bag of cheetahs. Uh, the guy in my story... Uh, He buys a bag of cheetahs. The real guy, he bought a bag of Doritos. My brother-in-law once went into a bodega and he bought a bag of Doritos. So it's partially based on my brother-in-law. Not the real guy. He bought a different bag of chips. It's a composite. So a composite's sort of a way to escape liability when you've based a story around someone. You just say it's a composite and you change a couple facts. You change his eye color. Changes eye color. We don't want anybody to think it's based on this true story. We don't want to know what, we don't want to get sued. We don't want to get sued. You know, someday we're going to talk about lawsuits and being sued like it's some, uh, you know, black magic spell, which it sort of is. Even if you beat the lawsuit, you know, it still weighs you down. It still poisons you for a certain duration of time. So why isn't it, why is it not a hex? You know, it is. But we're probably going to look back on it many years from now, not knowing what it was, and historians are going to think that was just some kind of spell. He sued him. He sued him, and it ruined his life. That sounds like a spell to me. But yeah, to avoid lawsuits, to avoid having to pay people money, uh, people often base characters on so-called composites. And uh, it makes sense, you know, and sometimes it's true. Sometimes characters truly are composites, and sometimes that sucks. You know, sometimes when a character is made of too many different things, it makes them very unfocused, or it seems like they just threw, somebody just threw together a bunch of things they liked. Um, but it's something we also do in real life, and we don't realize how we do it. We don't realize how often we are creating and seeing these composite characters, how much we are being composite characters uh, to different degrees. And one way that we put that on others, I mean, it's when, when people say projection, you're just projecting. I hate it. I hate hearing that. But I haven't come up with a better substitute for um, the term projection and the idea of projecting something onto someone. It is what people do. And everyone knows what you mean when you say it, so haven't found a better word. Just like I was a latecomer to the term selfie, because I realized there's no better word and everybody knows what it means. So to save myself the trouble of saying, you know, a digital self-portrait in which you turn the phone to face yourself, uh, rather than get too descriptive, I think it's easier just to take on the word that everyone knows the definition to, which is selfie. Uh, and projection, selfie projection. Have you met my daughter, selfie projection? Um, but uh, yeah, so, you know, projection is a clear form where, you know, you meet somebody and you either assume or you see certain qualities in them that may or may not exist based on your prior experience with people that you think are like them. So you can see where that's a, a very slippery road to begin with. And it happens a lot in relationships where somebody, uh, starts dating somebody and they're like, all the guys that I date, uh, cheat on me. Every guy that I've ever dated cheats on me and I know you're gonna cheat on me too. So I'm just throwing it out there before you do that I know you're gonna do it. And the more you say stuff like that, the more you will people to do that very thing that you don't want them to do, but maybe secretly do want them to do because it's all you think about and, uh, I don't know. I don't know what to say about that. Uh, but it is something people often do when they, they get involved with somebody or they meet somebody, and especially if that person has any resemblance to somebody they know or somebody who once did something or somebody, you know, even famous. That happens sometimes, or somebody resembles even just vaguely uh, a celebrity. And people will treat them a little bit like that celebrity. Uh, you look just like... Uh uh, you look just like Will Ferrell. Oh, man, you're so funny. You look just like Will Ferrell. And and, and because you look like Will Ferrell, uh, you're just a little bit funnier to me. You're just a little bit funnier, even when you don't mean to be, because you look a little bit like a guy who's famous for being funny. We'll do that. We will do that. We will kind of turn that person into a composite in which we know they're not that celebrity. We know they're not that comedic actor. But we will start to see them in the context that we know that actor in, where they just look like you look like somebody who's funny. So you're you just got a little bit funnier. Uh, it happens though, and but it happens you know with personal people too. Personal people where if somebody looks or or if we're constantly drawing comparisons. I mean, one of the ways that we navigate through the world is just through com- constant comparison. Uh, we of course compare ourselves to people, but we're constantly comparing people to people. Both their looks, their behavior, and oftentimes it's off base. I mean, I'm the person who, whenever someone says to me, like, doesn't so-and-so remind you so much of so-and-so? I'm just like, no. It's like, oh, oh. Like, I remember at work, you know, years ago, like, somebody being like, oh, you know, that new girl, like, she said that she likes guys with beards. Doesn't she remind you so much of that other girl who works here who who likes guys with beards? You know, it's it's things like that. And it's just like, no, you know, it turns out there's not that many options. You know, guys with beards are like one of the the few options of, of faces, you know. <laughs> but people it, it's, it's a way that people navigate the world. And, and I'm not trying to be too uh, cynical about it, but just people draw comparisons and they'll do it within families. You'll see it a lot within families where. I remember reading a mafia book years ago, and the guy was talking about, you know, when he was born, he people thought he looked like his uncle, so they started calling him by his uncle's nickname. And I've come across that more than once, where someone just vaguely looks like their uncle. So the, what does the family do? Let's call him by the same word. You know, you remind me of him, so we're going to call you by the same, same we're going to use the same sound to refer to you. You look just like your Uncle Sammy, Sammy. We're going to call you Sammy from now on because you look so much like Uncle Sammy because you look vaguely. It's not even look so much. It's like you look slightly, slightly like him Uh, because he's bald and you're a baby and you're bald, too. And that's a resemblance. You're both bald, Sammy. Uh, And so people do that. But there's even that aspect, too, of like in dreams where. There's the classic joke where, you know, like the wife dreams about her husband cheating on her, so she wakes up and hits him, and that's real, you know, <laughs> it, sounds, it sounds like a joke, but that sort of thing is real where, you know, in the dream, here's this guy who may or may not even look like her husband in the dream, because that's what happens in dreams, is sometimes someone doesn't even look like the person that you know, but they have the essence of them somehow. And so it's like, oh, that's them, even though they don't look like them, even though they don't, they don't sound like them, and even though their behavior isn't characteristic of them, in the dream, that's them. And you wake up, and they did something wrong, so you, you're mad at them. And I've actually had that happen to me. I've had a girlfriend have a dream where I, I think I just did something mean— it wasn't a dream, no, Uh, something like that, where she, I could just tell she was a little bit mad, it wasn't a big deal, it wasn't nothing big and dramatic, but I could tell it just took a little bit longer that morning to kind of be okay with me, Uh, and, you know, it's, I I, kind of know how it feels, where, you know, sometimes I'll have a dream about someone, and the weirdest thing is, like, when you have a dream about, about an acquaintance, Somebody who you barely know. And imagine telling them, you know, you're so important to me that you were in my dream last night. You're just so important to me. I know we barely know each other and, you know, we're at that point in our acquaintanceship. You're an acquaintance of an acquaintance. You're, you're an acquaintance of an acquaintance. And we're at that point in our acquaintanceship where we're not even sure if we, we should say hi to each other in public. And if we do, it's going to be awkward and we're probably going to talk about the mutual acquaintance we have. But you were in my dream last night. Uh, and that feels fucking weird because it, it just feels strange. Or when someone you know, even if they are an acquaintance, does something strange in your dream or a coworker, not even like a sex dream or like anything that's overtly weird or awkward. But even if just a coworker is in your dream and you go into work the next morning, you feel a little bit weird about it. You feel a little bit weird about them if you can remember that you had that dream. If you don't go into instant dream forget. I was going to say dream regret, but it would be, I would say dream regret is when you have a dream about somebody who's just a very minor person in your life, and you see them, and you're thinking, you were, do you know you were in my dream? Uh, but to go back to the composite idea, like what happens when you have a dream about somebody who's closer to you, and they maybe do something in the dream to make you feel weird, or that you don't like, or that is causes you some sort of d- dream distress, is you almost in real life, you almost become this composite of of that dream person in your friend or significant other's dream. You almost become a composite of that to them in the same way that maybe like their current boyfriend becomes a composite of their ex boyfriends it 's like you become a composite of the dream you that was in that person 's dream as well as yourself, and you almost feel this sense of responsibility you know i 've definitely had that feeling where like you feel a sense of responsibility. For what you did in someone else's dream, even though you weren't actually a part of it, uh, and uh, maybe that's a good way to be. Maybe to reference, you know, an idea from not that long ago. Maybe that's truly becoming the chessboard: is to take responsibility for the dream you that appeared in other people's dreams that you had no control over. Maybe that's truly taking. Uh, the most responsibility for <laughs> your life that you can is to also take responsibility for for the way that you manifest in other people's dreams. I don't know, uh, unless you do it deliberately, in which case you absolutely should take responsibility if you're if you're deciding to do that, if you're deciding to willingly go into other people's dreams. Uh, but you know, it, it happens more often in, in your day to day life than you probably even realize. And it happens, too. You know, I was talking about the family idea where it's like, you look just like Uncle Sammy, so we're going to call you Sammy. You're now a composite of yourself and your uncle. And we're going to start to see more and more qualities of your uncle in you because we've decided that you're part uncle. You're part uncle. You know, we're part Native American on, on your mother's side, but you're, you're part uncle because of the way you look, um, Uh, But, you know, it happens a lot, too, with just people seeing, you know, your father in you, or people will be like, you remind me so much of your father. They're making a composite of you, and of course it makes sense, like a genetic composite. That's what people are. People are genetic composites, both mentally and physically, of the people that produced them and the people that came before, people from further back. But it's always funny to me when someone doesn't actually resemble their father and people are like you look so much like your father you're both so handsome and it's just like well you just kind of want to see that so there's a there's a certain willingness like there's a certain voluntary aspect to forming composites and it goes back to that desire to compare people because of course we compare people negatively we compare things negatively but there's something that for some reason we often compare people because it, it makes people feel good, maybe. I don't know. I, I don't know how it makes people feel good. But there seems to be something that is comforting about it. It's like if if we see similarities in something, I don't know, it's, it's like uniting. I, I don't know what it is exactly. But people have a desire to do it. Uh, you look so much like your father. you stand in just like your father. You sounded so much like your father. You're both handsome men, you and your father. People have a desire to see that. He looks nothing like his father of course that's a whole other fear get that get that baby a, a genetic test turns out you're not a composite of your father turns out the person you thought was your father isn't your father uh, and uh so we're gonna call you you know you're part uh when we said you were part uncle we didn't know how true it was because it turns out your uncle's your father you truly are part uncle but now your uncle, it turns out your uncle's your father, the guy you thought was your father, and your um, you father, I don't know, I don't know, I'm confused already, I'm confused. Somebody, com- Somebody come up with a comparison for me so I can understand this, so I can make sense of this. Uh, But I don't know. There's also a negative aspect, you know, an obvious negative aspect in the way that we form composites, because sometimes you just don't like someone based on how they look. They remind you of these people. They I mean, there's a guy, a football player. I don't even want to name him. I don't even want to drag his name through the mud because he appeared in my dream and I hate it. No, Uh, there was a, a football player. He's active. Kansas City Chiefs tight end. In fact, a very popular player. And every time I see him, he just rubs me the wrong way because he looks like a guy I used to work with that I just couldn't stand. And every time I see him, I think of that guy. It's quite a resemblance. Like, they could be brothers. You know, they're not identical. But they could easily be brothers. And, uh, you know, brothers are composites of each other, too. Uh, but these guys, they they do resemble each other. And because of that, I, I've just formed this composite of this guy's personality. That Part of who this guy is... You know when he when he celebrates getting a first down or a touchdown, and I see it on TV, a part of me just hates it because I'm imagining that guy that I worked with and didn't like arrogantly celebrating a touchdown, something he'll never do in his life because he's not a, a a Pro Bowl a Pro Bowl and tight end for the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, but I formed this, you know, I'm projecting upon this poor guy, this poor famous football player who doesn't know me. This poor man who I'm just, you know, next thing I know he's going to appear in my dream. Uh, But, uh, you know, you do that. And sometimes you do it with multiple people. I mean, and that's sort of what stereotyping is. Stereotyping is forming a composite. And sometimes it's just based on what we've heard, but sometimes it's what we've experienced. You know, it doesn't matter who it is. A stereotype can be anything. You know, we hear that when we think racial. We think uh, this or that it's somebody who belongs to some very specific identity group but i think we stereotype people all the time in all kinds of different ways that we can't even really uh describe well, i mean i think even you know forming those composites is a it you know like i'm saying it's a form of stereotyping in and of itself like in a way i'm stereotyping that famous tight end based on how another guy like him looks And if I were to see another guy who looks like that, which I actually have, I would stereotype him, too, based on how that guy looks. And, you know, with stereotyping, maybe it's based more on not just looks, but it's based on a series of experiences or stories you've heard or, you know, sometimes people are brainwashed, sometimes not, you know, Uh, sometimes people are brainwashed not to stereotype when stereotyping might be the natural response, you know, and I'm not saying that there's no function to stereotyping, just like there's it's not like there's no function to, you know, forming a composite or forming a comparison between people you know, people you don't know. And that's really how we make sense of strangers or people that are unfamiliar to us is we compare them to people we know. I mean, that's what you're doing when you see somebody and you just don't like the look of them and maybe somewhere in your in your brain whether you know it or not they remind you of someone you don't like what you're doing is you're kind of you know it's a defensive measure it's like oh you know that guy you know if I were to operate in the same world as that guy you know he might behave like that other guy who looks like him and maybe that's ancient you know maybe it goes back to some you know tribal era where the people who looked like each other were all part of the same tribe their genetics were closer there was a, a closer genetic composite. Maybe they were cousins. Maybe they were related. In a tribe, you will have that. A lot more kinship, uh, you know, a clan. And, uh, you know, so you would think there, there was a reason to feel that way. There might have been a very good reason when someone resembled another person who you didn't trust to think, oh, you know, they look like that guy. And that means they're probably part of the same group. And so I should be suspicious, because I'm part of a different group. So, you know, it might all go back to that. And it becomes malignant. It becomes distorted. And when you live in a society that's as complex and overlapping and conflicting as ours, it's, it's of course, going to get completely out of hand in all kinds of different ways because you're going to have people who stereotype everyone uh, and you're going to have a lot of bigotry, uh, you know, potential violence, Oppression as a result, but you're also going to have people on the other side who are like, never stereotype anybody ever, but I'm going to stereotype you for stereotyping, Mr. Composite. People who try to completely deny, like people who try to say that there's no basis for doing that, to me, are, you know, equally as off, off base as somebody who just relies entirely on stereotypes or embraces stereotypes I think it's yet another thing that you have to constantly be doing battle with. You have to constantly be assessing, you know, why you are making the assumptions you are, why you are projecting in the way that you are, why you are naming your daughter selfie projection, um, why you are putting projections of your daughter's selfie up on the, the wall of a building to show everybody, you know, how cute she is, Uh, (laughs) but, uh, you know, she reminds me so much of her aunt, the wino, she reminds me of, of Aunt Wino, she reminds me so much of that Kansas City Chiefs tight end, you know why I don't like her? You know why I don't like that little girl whose projection has been placed up on the side of that brick building? She reminds me so much of that Kansas City Chief's tight end. I just just can't trust her. Because he looks like somebody that I used to work with, who I didn't like. Now, so much of our judgments are based on these things. And, you know, even getting into, like, the idea of other composites, composite characters. Because on this show, occasionally, you know, I will talk about people. And I make an effort not to get too specific. That's kind of my loophole around gossip or talking shit is not naming names if I'm using somebody as an example of something that I may not completely approve of. How's that for handling that carefully? But occasionally I do feel like I talk shit or I use people as examples from my life because I do like to explore, you know, the human condition and offer, you know, some sort of social commentary. And social commentary is worthless, in my opinion, if it doesn't draw from specific people on occasion. In the same way that sociology is, you know, it, it doesn't get very far if it doesn't draw from, you know, the psychology of individuals. Because at some point you have to get back to the, the smallest unit. You have to get all reductionist. You gotta, you know, you gotta split the atom. And so when you're discussing groups of people and when you're discussing trends and just different behaviors and actions and thoughts that people have, that they, the big old they that they have, sometimes you have to get specific and you have to talk about individuals. And the best way to do that is to draw from your own experience, not just composite characters in movies, right? Not just the guy who bought the bag of cheetahs at the bodega. Uh, You got to draw from people you've known, And it's something that I I find that I I I, don't—I'm not comfortable doing it on this show, but I do it, because I I feel like I have to. And sometimes it could be somebody—sometimes I'll refer to people on here, and they are kind of a composite. And I try to do that to a point where I'm not being dishonest, where I'm not just describing someone who— I'm not being so general that I'm no longer referring to anything real or or any— tangible person but I do try to kind of you know use a you know as broad a strokes as I can without losing you know the essence it's kind of like the dream it's kind of like when someone in a dream doesn't look like a person that you know and they don't sound like that person you know but you, you know it's them you know that's Dan He don't look like Dan He don't sound like Dan but I knew that guy in my dream was Dan I just knew it I just knew it um it's sort of the same thing with doing like a composite character. If I'm talking about somebody on this show, where like I, I try to, I want to, I want to capture the essence of somebody if I'm talking about them without getting too specific. And granted, I have gotten specific before. And I, while I'm not terribly worried about people I know listening to this show, like I, I, you know, some people do, some people don't. Doesn't you know? It's not an incredibly popular show by any means. Uh, but every once in a while, you know, I will get a reaction. And uh, one time it was very shocking. I was very shocked to hear that a person I know and, and the person that I re- referred to fairly specifically without naming names had listened to this sh- that episode and uh, messaged me. And it was just very strange. And they were not offended, though. I was, su- I was actually surprised because I felt like they easily could have taken it in the wrong way. And I was very surprised that they just said, you know, just so you know, I heard it. And they were not offended at all. And that was cool. And then there was another time where it was somebody I was dating a couple years ago, two and a half years ago, maybe we were just dating briefly. And she listened to an episode and I was not referring to her at all. I actually wasn't referring to even a composite person. I was just referring to just general human behavior. Honestly, I was being, I remember the episode I did And it was a very general reference to just something that people do and, you know, how I'm, you know, just just how I navigate that. And this person listened to that and uh, was really upset. And there was actually a public argument about it, if you can imagine that, which was was just so foreign to me. The whole situation, just trying to diffuse it, it was just so bizarre. And uh, I'm friends with this person, you know, it's it's not like things... uh, so, like that shattered any hope for friendship. Uh, obviously, we didn't date for very long, but it, it was very strange because I was v- not referring to anybody or anything that specific. And it, this was just taken completely out of context. And uh, it was it was just a bizarre experience. And uh, it, that didn't change the way that I talk on this show or anything like that. But it definitely, it was an eye-opener to me, just the way that somebody can essentially form a composite in a way. I mean, I feel like it relates to the way that I'm talking about composites here, where based on what I said, they sort of projected their own image onto that or formed a composite of who I was in that moment with other things they knew or other things they felt or heard and uh, created this dilemma for themselves. You know, it was just very strange. Uh, and, you know, like I said, like, I, I'm on fine terms with this person. It's weird. Like, I'm on fine terms with people that I feel like I, I really shouldn't be. And then I'm I'm not on good terms with people that I feel like I have every reason to be on good terms with. It's just, it's one of those strange things about the turns that life takes where it's like, you know, the fact that, like, this is that way. Oh, anyway, I don't need to get into that. Um, But, uh, yeah, on this show in particular, like, I, I do try to use composite characters when possible and I wouldn't call them characters I would say they're real people but I try to you know form dream people on here they're just dream people they're the essence of the person Unfortunately, fortunately and you know I'm I'm a comparer as well as much as I try to avoid making broad comparisons about two people or assume you know you two would be best friends oh I know you remind me so much of my friend uh, Sammy he's he's nicknamed after his uncle his real name's Tom But they call him Sammy because he looks just like his uncle. But he reminds me just like, he reminds me of you. So I'm going to start calling you Sammy too. And I know that if I introduced you, you two would be best friends. And we could call you the two Sammies. The two Sammies. Oh, look look how cute it is. It'd be so cute if you became uh, the two Sammies. Because you're so much alike. You're just so much alike. You'd be best friends. Uh, that's, you know, those sort of comparisons. You meet the person, and it's like, this person is nothing like me. How dare you? We're never going to be the two Sammies. Uh, but his, the uncle, uncle father, his uncle father, now that's a Sammy that I can relate to. That's a Sammy that I can relate to. Uh, But, you know, I'm a comparer as well, and, I mean, part of the way that I navigate—the reason why I know that people use comparison to navigate the world is because I do it. I do it all the time. I'm always comparing things, but I'm also fighting those comparisons. I'm also trying to, you know, give things their due. Because I think when you make a comparison, what you realize is it's like you kind of strip off—you know, you take—it's like, you know, when someone says to you, like, you remind me so much of my friend Sammy— you're into all the same things. You have all the same opinions. You both make the same jokes. So Sammy would have made that joke too. It's almost like they took out a pair of wire cutters and just like snipped that outer layer of your skin and just peeled it off. No, not really. <laughs> it's not that painful. Uh, but it, it is almost this like, you're not very unique. You're not very original because I know someone just like you. And they've probably formed a composite of you, of you two already. Because that's what they're doing. They're forming a composite. And oftentimes they're wrong. Uh, Oftentimes they're wrong in their comparison. And they're just trying to make sense of the world. Because if there's too many unique things, if there's too many things that are beyond comparison, we are just in a world of chaos and confusion. And that's what people are trying to avoid when they're making comparisons, when they're making composites. It's too much to deal with the fact that every situation and every person could be wholly unique at any given time. So the best thing we can do is just assume that it's like something else we've experienced. And that's what we've been doing. That's what human beings have been doing for a long time. But it's also not true, you know, there's also truth to it. You know, there's also truth that nothing is truly that unique or original. Most things aren't. So naturally we would find similarities between them. And we can't all be special. And uh, the second you start attach, you know, the, the second you get attached to the idea that you're different or you're special is, you know, when you fall down a trap door. And that's where everybody's got wire cutters. When you start thinking that you are special or different, that's when every situation you run into is another pair of wire cutters trying to peel that little outer layer of skin. Because it turns out that thing that makes you think you're special or unique or different is just a very external, exterior layer. It is just the latex that coats you know, a bundle of wires. And all it takes to rip that off is a pair of wire cutters. And so you live your, your life just Total in total fear in total fear of those wire cutters, because everybody's got them. Everybody's got a pair of wire cutters. Uh, and and every, it, with every step, I could fall down a trapdoor. It is easy to be that way, though. I mean, if, you, if you're a person who, you know, considers yourself not a composite, I'm not a composite. This is a fresh story. Uh, a hip new writer in Hollywood came up with me, baby. I'm not based on a, a detective from the 1930s and, a, and an author from the 1950s and someone's dad who bought a bag of chips at a bodega. You know, I'm not based on a... I'm not a composite of them. I'm, I'm a brand-new character written by a hip new... the new Tarantino. The new Tarantino. And there's a comparison for it. We do that when there's every, when there's someone that's new and hip on the scene. doesn't matter what it is, what medium they're operating in, or who they are, uh, what we do is we say, this guy's the new so-and-so. This guy's the new Tarantino. And if you truly are the hip new guy on the scene, that's like uh, poison in your eyes, you know? It's like poison to your ears. I wish I could come up with a better phrase. Uh, I wish I could come up with a new phrase, although I've never heard that one. It's like poison to your eyes, it's like poison to your ears. It's a poem. But uh, the last thing, like someone, someone who like fancies themselves original, say it is a hip new writer in Hollywood who's coming out. He's, he's the hot new thing. Probably the last thing that guy wants to hear is, "We got the new Tarantino on the scene." You no, know, you, you, I gotta introduce you to Quentin Tarantino. You guys would you, you're practically the same. You're practically the same guy. You're like the younger Tarantino. You guys would hit it off. You like this. You like twins. We're going to start calling you the, the Tarantino twins, the two Sammies. S- Sammy Tarantino meets Sammy Tarantino. Sammy Tarantino, the uncle, meets Sammy Tarantino, the father. It's like Bruegel, the elder. Tarantino, the elder. Tarantino, the uncle, meet Tarantino, the father you both, you know, this guy was the hip new guy on the scene 20 years ago. You're the hip new guy on the scene today. You're practically twins. Practically twins. Um, but, the, you know, Sammy the younger, he rem- Sammy the uncle, he reminds me a little bit of my, uh, my first college roommate who used to hide the dishes in his room. And, you know, we didn't have nothing to eat off of. We didn't have nothing to eat off of, so we used to have to, you know, so we couldn't cook nothing because we had no plates to eat off of because this guy's hoarding all the plates in his his room, his filthy room. And so we used to have to go down to the bodega and buy chips. And I used to buy, uh, you know, cheetahs, a lot of cheetahs, cheetahs, cheetahs. Well, we used to eat a lot. Of, we used to hunt and kill a lot of cheetahs because my roommate hoarded dishes in his room, and we couldn't cook anything. We could cook, but we didn't have anything to put our our food on afterward. And you think I'm? You think I do? I look like the kind of guy who's going to eat out of a pan? Oh, that's funny. That's like that's like something that uh, Tarantino, the father, would have said. Have you met? Uh, yeah, yeah. Composites. A composite. That is something we do. Like I was saying, even you know, you'll see it with. uh, It's funny when they release records when they when record labels put that little sticker on the outside. They'll put that little uh, square or or rectangular sticker on the front of the album on the plastic that gives a little uh, a little hype, a little promo. It's like this is the new Morbid Angel. It sounds just like uh, you know. It's like a I don't even know. This is the new Morbid Angel. It sounds just like the old Morbid Angel. Getting compared to yourself. Now, that's the ultimate. That's the ultimate in uh, becoming the Ouroboros. That's the snake biting its own own tail, which you see, too. You'll see that. When a band has kind of gone, when they've strayed from their roots a little bit, You know, say their middle period was quite a bit different than their early period, but then then in their later period, they kind of try to return to their roots. And usually it sucks, or usually it's tolerable, but it's boring, so why would you listen to it instead of their early material? That's usually the route it takes. But it's funny, because then they'll start promoting it as the new material. It's not like that middle material. It's just like the early material. New Morbid Angel, just like the old Morbid Angel, not to be confused with the mid-era Morbid Angel. So you'll even see that. Comparison to yourself, biting your own tail. Uh, It was like a tattoo my friend Miles wanted to get of uh, the Ouroboros with uh, his tail breaking out the back of his own skull. He's eating the tail, and the tail busts out the back of his skull. Great idea. That's sort of what that is. Uh, and that's, that's kind of what happens, you know, it's like, if you want to be, uh, that's what happens if, you, if you're too worried about uh, those wire cutters I was talking about. If you're too worried about falling down trapdoors and running into wire cutters everywhere you go, people are just going to peel that latex skin off of you, expose your wires, you're worried about everyone exposing your wires, uh, you might as well just be a wire snake at that point, you know, swallowing your own tail. Because when you want to be totally self-contained, when you want to create your own fantasy world entirely, you do just end up biting your own tail. And the best outcome, really, is the end of your tail breaking through your skull. Your wire tail. Uh, I know I'm getting a little bit out there. Uh, I need to find something to compare this to. I need to find a better comparison, a better analogy. Uh, a better uh, a better way to save this. How do I save this? I got wire cutters all around me, like crab like crab pincers. Clab. Have you seen any clabs lately? Collabs. Uh, but you know, it, it is that is a thing. It is an aspect where it's like you can live in so much fear of the world of composites and comparison that you just end up becoming a parody of yourself. Uh, Morbid angel parodying morbid angel. Morbid angel covering morbid angel. Someone doing an art tribute to themselves. This drawing is a tribute to myself at 20 years old. Sometimes people do that. They try to revisit things. They try to force things. They try to revise things. They try to escape the world of comparison, composite. They try to eat themselves away. They try to devour themselves, which sounds like some sort of fairy tale. And I suppose that's what all fairy tales... Not, not not all fairy tales, but I think there are many fairy tales that, you know, probably cover all of this. They probably cover everything I've said in this episode much more succinctly. Much more succinctly. Because it's been done before. You know, you, you're the new Tarantino. You're the new fairy tale. Just like the old fairy tale. And... Uh, Now there's another new fairy tale, and you're the old fairy tale. But, uh, yeah, I feel like there was something missing that I wanted to say more about composites and the ways that we, uh, you know, I covered this show, I guess. I think it probably related to me talking about people on this show, having some sense of guilt over occasionally referring to people in my real life. And I guess I should clarify that sometimes I do refer to a specific person to make a certain point, and I almost always instantly regret it. Because I always feel like it's it's pr- it probably comes across more like talking shit than it should, or than I intend it to. Because when you... You know, use someone as an example, or even if you don't name them by name, but you just draw from your experience with someone as an example of something, it's never going to be something that they want to hear, or if they were to hear it. And so in that way, I do try to, you know, find composites where they naturally fit together. And I guess that would be the right way to form a composite, is to just, you know, make sure it fits together naturally, to make sure that it's pretty much fallen together on its own. Because that is how we make sense of the world. You know, so much of it... You know, if we thought that everybody's behavior was just completely unique to them all the time, we really would lose our minds in the chaos of it all. We really would just be like, oh my God, this is too much to bear. All these people with their ideas and their actions and this this crazy way of being. Uh, So when we do see trends between people, when we do make comparisons... It is a way of just, you know, slowing that spin of chaos down a little more. It's a way of just making that tornado just a little thinner. That wall of the tornado, you just make it a little thinner. You're the person at that point with wire cutters, and you're just, you know, you're peeling a layer off of that tornado, and uh, you're just like, okay, well, you know, if there are multiple people who do this thing that troubles me, that at least tells me that it's a thing out there that people do. And if it's a thing that's out there that people do, I can learn from it and I can figure out ways to cope with it, to react to it in a way that, you know, works for me. And if it's something I like, you know, if I'm finding commonality between things I like, well, hey, there we go. I mean, that's the the essence of genre. You know, that's what makes something a genre, is, oh, these things are similar in a way that, you know, is, is, these things are comparable, and I like that thing, so maybe I'll like this thing. Oh, hey, there's a nice umbrella term for it. You know, I like, I like movies that really stress me out. So I'm going to go to the stress section of my local video update, and I'm going to rent a stress movie. Oh, recommended for fans who like, you know, stress movie. It's like when you're online, you know, it's like you, you look up one stress movie... You look up a stress clip on YouTube, something that just a nice little video to stress you out. Maybe it's someone parkouring, you know, on the edge of a building and they, they almost fall off and have to pull themselves back up. And, you know, you watch that because you needed just a little dose of stress. And uh, it recommends you another video because it's all in the genre of stress, you know. So in that way, genre and comparison and composites, all this stuff works in your favor. Uh, you remind me so much of my friend Sammy. He does parkour, and he almost falls off the edges of buildings, too. So whatever you can do, you know, to not fall off the edge of a building, uh, you know, just do whatever you can to not fall off the edge of a building. (laughs) ¶¶